It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 25 and 25-2 Intermission Sorry, Mom And Chapter 16 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz The Magic Art of the Great Humbug <sighs> So, here we are. I would apologize for this week's short episode of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, but I warned you like two times in that last Aftermath episode that uh, it was going to be a bit short, and maybe even a bit lacking. This week was a strange one in that there is no counter-chapter to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Usually it's the opposite. Usually there's a chapter of Dark Days that doesn't exist in the Bombverse, instead of a chapter that doesn't exist in the Martinez-verse. That doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? The intermission is simply a marker to separate Part 1 from Part 2. I've never made a secret out of the fact that I'm kind of a mama's boy. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on this very podcast before. This apology is meant to be more humorous, though I regret to inform you that my dear mother took it a bit more personal. As far as I know, she's never read beyond this point. I don't think she listens to this show... But if she does, maybe she'll listen to the rest of the book. Fun fact, when I wrote this book, I did it largely in secret. My wife didn't even know I was writing it until I was well into the process. I didn't even announce the book until I had written seven drafts of it and had 24 copies printed, long before I threw it into the wilds of the internet and started selling it on Amazon. The version this podcast is created from is actually the 10th draft, and this podcast, as we all know by now, isn't a word-for-word reading, making it ostensibly the 11th draft. For anyone that managed to get their hands on one of those original prints and actually read it, I have my doubts as to how many people did, however. This podcast is very, very different. Some of the character names have even been changed. All that being said, I'm still pretty sure my mother won't like what happens next. This week's chapter of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is a wonderfully enchanting tale of an old man giving people what they want, even if they don't need it. I love the silliness of the chapter, 
bad puns and silly metaphors like brand new brains that prove the scarecrow is sharp. That'll make sense in a second, I promise. It also finally, finally addresses the issue of these whiny characters. I'm not calling Dorothy whiny. In fact, she seems to whine the least, and she has the most legitimate reason to. We've been beaten over the head with brains this, heart that, courage, 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 wham. And now we have the moral of the story. Well, I guess we had the moral of the story last week, but this really puts a point on it. The wizard is just like, fine, I'll pretend to fix your personal problems if it will just shut you up already. Of course, it doesn't, though. Now that everyone has what they want, they won't stop yammering on about their newfound characteristics. The wizard gives the scarecrow brains. I mentioned the silliness of this act just a little bit ago, but let's talk about it anyway. He decapitates the scarecrow and fills his head with bran and needles. Kind of gives him a little bit of a Hellraiser aesthetic. The pins and needles all sticking out of his head and whatnot. It's a pretty clever fix. You can't see it because this is an audio-only podcast, but I did air quotes on fix, and I just did it again. The woodman shows up a little later for his heart. The wizard tells him he will pretty much have to perform surgery. He needs to cut into the woodman's breast, place the heart inside, and patch him back up. The woodman is pretty okay with this idea says he won't feel a thing. A key difference between Balm and me, my characters all feel pain on an excruciating level. The wizard does what he said he was going to do and puts the heart into the woodman's chest. It's soft and silky and full of sawdust. He doesn't really give a lot of explanation for his choice of materials. Not like that delicious bran pun he gave to the scarecrow and the sharp pins and needles metaphor later on picked up by the lion. He does, however, assure the woodman that his heart is the best heart a man could ask for. This solution feels like Baum was getting a little impatient and was just ready to move on. To me, it just felt a little half-hearted. Get it? Get it? Because half-hearted because you wanted a... Oh, okay. Okay, let's, let's move on and forget about that, shall we? The lion shows up next for his courage. The wizard, then, insists on getting him all liquored up. I mean, I know, I know. Art is subjective, we take from it what we want, and yes, sometimes a story is just a story... But can we all agree, literary scholars and goofy balls like me, that he's giving the lion alcohol? The lion's all like, I don't know about this. And then the wizard's all, oh, don't worry. It's perfectly fine. Trust me. And then the lion, he sniffs it and he's all, what is it exactly? And then the wizard, he's all, well, if you drink it, it'll be courage, you big dummy. So stop being a p and drink it already. 
Okay, it didn't go down exactly like that, but you get the idea. And so the lion bows to peer pressure and drinks. He supposes he feels a little more courageous. You know, I've never been drunk. I don't know if it would make me personally more courageous or not. I also have never felt particularly courageous after only a few drinks, so I guess I don't really know what to think about this whole situation. Hey, here's a fun, true story from my past. Many, many years ago, when I was in my 20s, as I record this, I'm 37, I wasn't much of a drinker. I never touched a drop in high school. I didn't go out and drink when I turned 21. And in fact, the first time I ever drank was at a wedding of one of my many, many cousins that I just so happened to be in. I was probably 22, maybe 23, very inexperienced in the world of alcoholery. It was an open bar, and I decided, sure, why not partake? I went up to the bartender and I said, Barkeep, I would take your finest bottle of spirits. Okay, so I didn't say it like that. No matter how much I wish I was cool enough or old world enough to pull off a line like that, I'm just not that cool. Anyway, I ordered an O'Doul's. Unbeknownst to me at that time, O'Doul's is a non-alcoholic beverage. I went and sat down with my parents, my brother, and his eventual wife, and my girlfriend at the time, which would one day transform into the hot Optimus Prime wife of my dreams. I know, that seems like a long road for a Transformers joke, and I don't think it quite worked anyways, but still, I'm gonna stick with it. Anyway, people were quick to point out that I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer. In my defense, it looks like beer, it tastes like beer, and I had to present my ID before buying it. So, I don't think I was entirely off base. After I drank it, I got a Michelob Ultra. You know, a real beer. And went over and sat with my friends and other members of the wedding party. I have been known to get a little raucous or loud when having a good time with my friends. I spent a good portion of the night talking about the crazies that came and went from the gas station I was currently working at. I regaled them with tales of my time as a vacuum cleaner salesman. And doggone it, I told those stories with passion and conviction. I was animated and loud, not only because it was a noisy party at a loud bar, but because that's just how I am with my friends. I'm not usually that way around my family or at other family gatherings. And honestly, I'm not like that at most weddings I go to either because most weddings I go to are more family than my close circle of friends. I'm not saying I don't like my family. I'm just saying hanging out with them is a vastly different experience. 
So, cut to several years later. I'm at my parents' house, talking to a relative that was not present at the aforementioned wedding. I don't remember what exactly we were talking about, but it must have had something to do with alcohol. My ever-so-loving brother happened to walk by, and jokingly said something about how you could give me a cup of Kool-Aid, and I would think I was drunk. I didn't know what that snide remark meant, and my cousin, remember, the one that was not at the wedding years earlier, caught my confused look and said, You don't know the story? Of course I did not know the story. So she told me how I went to this wedding and thought I was drunk because I drank O'Doul's. Apparently, I had been somewhat of the butt of many jokes for several years. I probably still am, actually, because I've never really been presented with an opportunity to defend myself. I get it, though. A large portion of my family saw me in a different light. They witnessed a side of me they had never seen before, and they saw an embarrassing moment at a bar in which I ordered a non-alcoholic drink. When I would later tell my friends this story, they all looked as surprised as me and reassured me that they did not think I was drunk. And in the end, isn't that what really matters? Who knows? Anyway, the point of this yet another long-winded rambling tale is this. I now have courage, because the wise old man behind the bar gave me something to drink. Okay, so that's not true. The bartender was not an old man. Wise? I don't know, maybe. The point is... My family just thought I was like the lion and the tin woodman and the scarecrow, and just very, very, very susceptible to the placebo effect. They were wrong, but still, it's the thought that counts. Or something like that. If you listened to that intermission and thought to yourself, Whoa, man. This is going to be a short and less rambly Aftermath episode this week. Thank God. Boy, howdy. You was wrong. I gotta make up for that two minutes of nothing somehow, right? It is worth noting, the lion doesn't really seem to get drunk. It doesn't affect his behavior or anything, so I suppose it could have just been water. The story could just be a story and all that jazz, but I'm still choosing to believe otherwise. We end on a dreary note with the wizard worried that he has failed Dorothy. He's remorseful and regrets making a promise that he could not keep. He truly feels like a humbug. So here we are at that portion of the show where I say... If I left anything out, forgot to mention something, or didn't address something you thought I should have, then by all means, let me know. 
You can find me on Twitter where I'm at DarkDorothyG. You can email me at DarkDaysOfDorothyGale at Outlook.com. You can find me on Instagram where it's at TheOrdinarySun. That's S-U-N. And yeah, I know that handle sticks out a little bit. But I'm already invested in that account with a wealth of Dark Days content, so it wouldn't make sense to go and change it now. You can also find my personal Twitter account, if you're clever. You really don't need to be super clever to find it, but I will still leave that up to you. I'm always open to questions, comments, and constructive criticism. Remember, kindness is a choice. Also remember, caring is sharing, and sharing is caring. So go share this podcast with anyone you think might like a couple of free audiobooks. I'm on vacation next week, but I'm going to try my hardest to get new episodes out at their regularly scheduled times. If you're listening after the fact, or not week by week, that bit of knowledge is incredibly useless. But come back anyway. The next episode of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale will be Chapter 35, The Ballad of Audrey Wilkinson and the Song of Ian Gale. It will also be followed by another Dark Days chapter, Chapter 36, Welcome Home. Along with those two Dark Days episodes, I will also be reading Chapter 17 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, How the Balloon Was Launched. With all of that, there will of course be another beautiful Aftermath episode. I would tell you that it will be less rambly and more coherent than usual, but I think we all know by now... That's a promise I likely can't keep. Thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>